right, well, good evening, friends. If you have your Bibles, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we're going to start in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to move to uh, Mark chapter 10. So one verse in Ephesians, and then be ready to switch over to Mark chapter 10. Hey, before we, uh, before we jump into it, though, can we pray? I know we just finished praying, but we haven't prayed too much. Um, but let's pray. But let's do it. Let's, let's do it real quick. I'd like to see. How many have been brought up in the church, kind of gone to church your whole life? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, and then I'm not, I'm not going to ask. You don't have to raise your hand on this one. Um, guys, I did Christian school my whole life from, like, kindergarten through my master's program, went to youth group. And then I remember in high school, God became a subject and the Bible was a textbook. And that's really all that it was because I wanted to get, make sure I got the grades. Because you got to get the grades to get in the right college, get the right college, and you can, you know, make a living, and you can have the right life, and hopefully meet the hot wife who loves Jesus. And it's like, you want all that stuff that goes together, but if you don't, if you screwed up in the beginning, it's all done. But it's just kind of like Jesus was just something to study. And maybe for some of you, you've been brought up in the church, and maybe you think that you're, or maybe you become used to him. It's like when you get to parts in scripture, it's like, I already know that. I've already heard that. I know that one. And friends, I just want to challenge us, at least for know, the next two, two days, technically two days, give or take, give God those two days. Now, maybe for some of you you're here and you're, you're not all that interested, like the chapel part's the part you're not interested in the most, and, or maybe you don't believe in God, or you're ticked off God, or you feel like God failed you because someone, even though you prayed, they still died, or life's just hard. Or if we sat down eye to eye, knee to knee, you would tell me your story, and then you would say, well, well, how could God be good if this is what I had to go through? All I'm asking you is give him two days. And all of it, just give him two days. Students, give him two days. Youth leaders and volunteers and youth pastors, give him two days. Hume staff, give him two days. Myself, I want to give him two days and see what he does. But as we pray, think about who we're talking to. We're, we're going before God. So let's pray. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we pause before we speak to you, for you are God. God, so often I just kind of jump into requests telling you what you should do, how you should do it. Father, would you, would you do something this weekend that you've never done on this property, in this building? Would you do something in each of us, God, that we need? Would you reveal yourself in such a way that we are in awe? For those that don't know you, God, that they'd be drawn to the relationship with Jesus God, for those, who, those of us who do, that we'd be drawn deeper in our love affair with you. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you do something so powerful that we're left amazed? God, I pray that as we spend time in your word, you would give us the ability to understand and help reveal things to us. God, keep us teachable that we could receive instruction. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, just one verse out of here. Paul says this to a bunch of Christians in Ephesus. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk 
as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. When he's using the word Gentiles, he's, he's talking about those who don't know Christ, the unbelievers. But when you look at the reason behind it, now this I say and testify in the Lord, there must be some type of authority in the Lord. Again, for those of you that brought up in the church, have you gotten used to him? Just Jesus. I mean, you've, you've kind of been around it your whole life. I mean, even now you're hitting youth group during the week, and then on Sunday mornings you still got to go do the worship service, and, and then you're supposed to read your Bible. How many have ever left camp? Like, you go to camp, and it's like, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the whole Bible. I'm going to read the whole Bible tomorrow. Like, you're just ready to just devour it, right? You, your life's changed, and you start in Genesis, and, and then by the time you get to, like, the middle of Exodus, you're going, I'm done. I don't understand Leviticus. What's that there for? Like, we're so gung-ho, but it just kind of dies out, and I'm wondering, why is it that that happens? Is it because it's just Jesus? Do we understand the value of the one who invites us to follow him? Do we understand the value of the one who invites us to know him? Do we get it? Do we understand who he is? Because when we do not recognize who he is, we will not do the things that he says are necessary to say that we're followers of Jesus. When Jesus says these words, anyone who wants to be found worthy to be my disciple must deny himself. Pick up his cross daily and follow me. Guys, deny yourself. What's that mean? I remember listening to a, a buddy of mine. He was preaching this, this past, or that verse I just gave you. Denying yourself. And he said, a lot of times we think, okay, denying self just means keep all the bad things away. Right? So I'm going to let all the, I'm going to hug the, the good things. So my wife, my, I've got two boys. Um, uh, the ministry, I get to be part of my family, friends. All this, I'm going I'm to bear hug. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to push all the bad things away. And he goes, hey, that's not denying self. That's just self-denial. Denying self means this. I'm not going to bear hug. Any, I'm not going to do with this with anything. I'm going to do this with everything. I'm going to offer it all back up to God. He said, I go, well, I still don't get it. Guys, uh, you say, I've got a 16-year-old and I've got an 18-year-old. And about 16 years ago, uh, I remember when my wife called me and I was uh, in my office. I was a youth pastor at the time, and she had the doctor's appointment. So Dylan was about a month old. Uh, he's my youngest. And it didn't seem like it was a big deal. She had this, this lump on her throat or on her neck. And they, uh, and they said, well, we did the scan. And we don't really see anything, but we need you to come in. And so she just went with the boys. So my oldest is two. <laughs> my youngest is a month. And as, as she's sitting there, this doctor comes in. And this is how he tells her. He goes, hey, we we're going to remove that from your neck, right? Yeah, we're going to do that. Oh, that's good because it's cancer. Just like that. Didn't ask me to come in. Just her trying to be strong for a two-year-old. Getting that news. By show of hands, has, has anyone had to go through that news? And doesn't it feel like you just got sucked in the gut? Just sucked. Bam. You're kind of going, God, are you serious? So I remember when she called me, and I, I was working on something. I was, had the phone. I was way over here, and she says, are you sitting down? And I said, no, and so I sat down, and then she told me. And guys, it was so hard. Because I remember, I remember, like, picking up my stuff. Like, I'll, I'll come home. I don't know why I had to get home so fast. It's like, I'll fix it. I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I'll fix it. I'm going to do surgery. It's going to work. It's going to work. Trust me. Like, in my head, I was like, if I can get home, I can fix this. So I remember I picked up all my stuff, and my assistant, her name was Marguerite, and she's a little old grandma. 
And so she always, I mean, there's three pastors that she has worked for, and, but she always, it's like she always took care of us like we're her grandkids. And so I put my glasses on because I'm freaking out, and, and as, as I walk past, she goes, stop. I'm like, I got to go, Margaret. She, no, you don't. Hold on. What's the matter? Nothing. You're lying. I was like, I can't lie to grandma. You ever know she can't lie to grandma? It's like she can read your soul. I said, no, Margaret, I got to go. I'm really okay. No, you're not. Tell me what's going on. And I tell her. And right then she goes, let's call the whole church together. Let's call the whole staff. We'll pray right now. It's like, give me one minute to get out of here. I got to go. Okay, you got one minute. It's like she's, go. And so I have to run down the stairs. I bolt out, and she got the whole staff to start praying. And I made it to the next parking lot of our church community, or our church property. And I lost it. And I started, I started screaming out to God. It's almost like, okay, wait, 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 God. Like, my whole life is about you. What I do for a living is for you. You're giving me the shaft. So I said, are you, is that how you talk to God? Yeah, I learned it from the book of Psalms. And there was this one part, though, that God had to kind of bring me back to center. There's a verse in the book of Job where God says something like this to Job, he says, will you put me in the wrong so that you can be in the right? And I remember I drove home, and I'm calling people, on the, and that's when it was legal. You could talk to people on the phone. And I'm talking to people, and I, I show up, and I walk in the, we have the tiny little house. I mean, the, the house was like this size. This size is <laughs> so little. I remember I walked uh, from the garage. You open the door. Here's the kitchen. My wife is standing over here, so I open the door. She's standing here washing dishes. My two-year-old's having a hot dog because you're supposed to. And then my one-month-old is over on the floor. Well, not on the floor of the kitchen, like in his carrier on the floor. He's not just like sprawled out. <laughs> so he's <laughs> in the carrier. And here's the thought that popped in my head, and I didn't verbalize it because I don't think that it would have been helpful in the moment. In my mind, I thought, I don't know how to be a single dad. I don't know how to take care. In my head, it seemed hopeless. And I just hugged my wife. And to see her go through surgery and a radioactive iodine treatment, that one was hard because she had to go into a hospital room by herself for seven days. I could only visit five minutes per day and say it's about this. This is how long the room is. I, I, could, I could come here. This is as far as I open the door. I have a little meter because she's radioactive. I could stand here. She's over there against the wall. I could talk to her for five minutes, and then I have to leave. I did it one time because I couldn't stand it. I talked to her longer on the phone. I remember when we drove away because she had to go do that. I got a two-year-old and a three-month-old at the time. And she's being strong, and Tyler's just waving, not knowing what's happening. We turned the corner, and she just started beating her chest. She's like, it hurts so bad. I'm trying to be strong. Got glasses on. It's like, I got to do this. Got an in my eye. <laughs> I just tried to be strong. And then I remember she had to have go have another scan. And so the boys were taking naps, and she comes back, and and I, I looked at her. I said, "Well, what what happened? What did they say?" And she said, like as calm as could be, she goes, "They think they might have seen something on my brain." And then right after that, she says, "I need to go to the grocery store." And then she walked out. <laughs> like, 
Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where are you going? You can't drop the bomb and then say, I got to go buy some salami. Like, I don't, like, that's not, like, in my mind, that doesn't compute. But she did. She's seriously like, I got to go to the grocery store. And she left. And I remember sitting there on the couch. Both the boys are sleeping. And I remembered what my buddy preached. It's like that popped into my head. I believe it was God giving me that reminder. You don't do this with anything. You do this with everything. You don't do this with anything. You do this with everything. I said, God, I've been doing this with her. She's yours. You do this with everything because of who he is. You recognize who he is. And friends, I'm thankful that, I don't know, 16, 15 years later, give or take, I still get to live life with my wife, and she's clean and clear, and I'm so thankful, and yet I know for some of you, it didn't turn out that way, right? And it's easy for us to look at God and say, are you really worth it? I mean, I tried this thing, and it didn't happen. Nothing changed. And maybe that's what you would tell me, Brian. I tried. I prayed. I prayed hard, and I was good. And it still got bad. Friends, I got to remind you that we have a God who knew and knows. He knew things would be broken, and then he enters into the world as a human, fully God, fully man, and went through the pain that we go through and sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And the word sympathize, I just was reading this book, the word sympathize means to, it's like to co to co-suffer with someone. And it's not just, hey, he understood it then, but even now, when we suffer, it's not like God is in heaven going, hey, suck it up. No, when we suffer, Jesus suffers. He's in agony with us. He hurts with us. And why doesn't he change it, guys? Because God says, hey, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. I don't think like you. I don't act like you do. Isn't it amazing that we see the miracles in the, in the New Testament especially? We see Jesus do the miraculous. But you ever notice that the miraculous require a crisis? We want to see the miraculous. We just don't want to be part of it. I want to see it from a distance because then I can write about it. I can post. I can put a picture on. I can put a TikTok video. Look what happened. But what if God says, I want to put you in the front row seat of the miraculous? And for some of you that are going through a difficult time, what if that is your front row seat and God is just saying, just wait. Wait, trust me. See, in Mark chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, go there. Mark chapter 10, start verse 46. It says this. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Guys, picture like this. It was very customary. It doesn't say in the passage. It was customary, so it's possible that it was like this. Picture this massive crowd of people, and as Jesus is walking along, he has his disciples. And as he's walking, he's teaching. So his disciples are listening to him, and I think this big crowd is listening to him. And then all of a sudden, we have Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, and he's the son of Timaeus. And guys, Mark is the only one that names him. And I'm so thankful that he did. Guys, have you ever, you ever driven by a person who's homeless and felt bad? Or you walk past them, and maybe you'll, you'll give them a buck and then keep going. But have you ever stopped to ask their name? Does anybody here suck at remembering names besides myself? 
Yeah, it's hard, right? So you're like, especially if there's sometimes, I say, hey, what's your name? And they'll tell me, and Sirius goes, Pshaw. and I'm like, oh, crud. I, about two seconds ago, you told me your name, and I already forgot it. So I just say, one more time, what's your name? And they'll tell me, so I'm like, okay, hopefully I can remember it. Because isn't there something valuable when somebody remembers your name? Or at least hear the story of the person. So a few years ago, I, was, I went to the grocery store. Um, I was doing shopping for the family. And I was on a mission. So I got, as I had it in my head. I got the list on my phone. I'm ready to go. And as I walked in the grocery store, there's this home, homeless guy. And he said, hey, you got a buck? I said, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I do. But hey, when I get back, I'll, I'll come back. We'll see what I got. Okay, so I'm shopping. Last thing I get, always at the grocery store, the last thing you get is the ice cream. You don't get the beginning. That's stupid. No, you get at the end because it's got to be hard, right? It's hard ice cream. So I'm, I mean, and, and, and you find the teller that's quick, and so you're going through the whole thing of a check person. And as I get out there, I remember there he is, and, and so I walk up, and I go, yeah, here, I got a couple bucks. I'm like, guys, I had like a 20 in my wallet. I gave him a couple bucks. But in my head, it's like, but I got to get home because <laughs> I got ice cream. I got to get this in the freezer. So I get a couple bucks and I started walking. Then this thought was, go back. This thought in my head, thought, go back. And I started having this argument with myself where they this thought in my head, no, I got ice cream. And I think this was the Holy Spirit going, hey, go back. It's like, my God, do you not understand? I spent four fifty. <laughs> I mean, I just put our savings for ice cream. I got ice cream in the, I got to get ice cream home. Like, that's my whole excuse as to why I'm not going to go ta- talk to a person who's created in the very image of God because I got to just stuff my goal. Just bam, I got to have ice cream. So I get to my car and it just won't stop. Go back, go back, go back. Like, like, okay, fine. As if, as if I'm really sacrificing anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm gonna have, have soft ice cream. Understand the sacrifice. Understand. Under, don't, don't correct me. I'm just joking. <laughs> say, 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 hey, you don't understand the sacrifice, Jesus. But see, when I went back, I said, dude, I got I to gotta ask for your forgiveness. I got more than a couple bucks. I said, but can I just hear your story? Like, tell me about yourself. I think his name was Rory. And he tells me about, he'd been on the street about seven years. And he got, he got addicted to opiates and and he's, and he's like, I never wanted to be here. And, and he was reading this, uh, this magazine called The Watchtower, uh, which is the magazine that the Jehovah's Witnesses give out. And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't like that one. But so he, so he's, I just keep hearing his story. And, and I finally said, well, can I, can I ask you about that magazine you're reading? And friends, I, I don't, I, I'm not this naturally gifted bold, go tell everyone about Jesus. I, honestly, I'm pretty quiet. I'm pretty to myself. But I want to be a disciple, not just a pastor. A lot of times us pastors are like, I do it from here. This is where I tell people about Jesus. And sometimes you just get really silent when you go home. I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I felt so convicted about it. I was like, do you, hey, tell me about, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, not really. I said, good, because that's garbage. I said, it's not true. And someone said, I go, Brian, that's pretty arrogant. But if it's not true, it's not true. I said, can I just tell you about the gospel? And could I tell you about Jesus? He goes, yeah. So here I start talking about Jesus. I don't know, a few minutes goes by, and I start explaining how you can have a relationship with Christ. And 
And I finally looked at him and said, hey, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? Guys, he already had the 20 I gave him. I said, I want you to take this and get dinner. I said, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? And he goes, yes. I thought, we're on camera, like at work. Like, is, is this happening? I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And, and so I, I said, well, pray. I said, pray. He starts to pray. It was awesome. I mean, it wasn't, quote, unquote, professional. He didn't have all the Asian words, justification and sanctification and purification and flatulation. It's like we always have these Asian words. It's like we just throw out Asian. It's like we're trying to impress God. Like God's like, I've never heard that word. You're amazing. When we finished praying, I was like, dude, are you good? I mean, where are you staying? He's like, oh, I got this place I'm staying. It's close to this church. And I was like, hey, dude, I know that church. You got to celebrate recovery. You got you to check it out. I will. He said, can I do one thing? Can I ask you one thing? I said, sure. He goes, can I give you a hug? Right? I said, no. I got ice cream. I'm just joking. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the worst story? I said, no, and I went and had some ice cream. <laughs> so I said, dude, you, uh, you better give me a hug. So I grabbed, I don't know if you noticed, I'm kind of a big guy. I grabbed him by the hand, and I just yanked him up. He's like, Ooh. <laughs> And I just bear hugged him, standing outside of Ralph's. Just hugging on this homeless guy. No, 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 no. Bro hugging Rory. Because he had a name. Because that guy's created in the image of God. Friends, you know why we followers of Jesus hold? We hold true to the value of life. It's because every single person on the planet is created in the very image of God and therefore has intrinsic value. Born or unborn. That's why we hold to it. I got in the car and I said, God, oh, would you forgive me? And thank you. Because I needed to re be reminded that that guy outside of Rouse wasn't just Guy. It was Rory. Verse 47. When we heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Really? It's the blind guy. And he's calling out, Jesus, son of David. And guys, by the, the fact that he's saying, Jesus, son of David, he's, he's declaring, I believe you're the Messiah. That's a messianic title. So he believes that Jesus was the one to come. So here's this blind guy crying out to Jesus. And guys, I picture him in the back. And what if he's, maybe he's facing the wrong way. He's like, Jesus, son of David, he's just going for it. And people are like, would you be quiet? Because if it's customary for a rabbi to teach and for people to listen, and then some dude in the back is being loud, can you imagine the people standing by him going, I can't hear what he's saying. Guys, do you have, at your church, or when someone teaches, do they give you fill-in-the-blank stuff? I don't know if it was back in the day. I don't know if they do it now anymore. But it's like, like number three, and there was always this pressure. You got to get everyone there. You got to get all the answers, or you're going to go to hell. Like it's just kind of terrifying. And so, like, if you, you get to number three, and it's like, I didn't get it. Did you get it? I didn't get it. Oh my gosh. Oh God, please, please show mercy. Please show mercy. Are they on the back? Are the answers upside down so I can cheat? No, they're not there. I'm done. I'm done. I got nothing. So, you imagine the people in the back going, I didn't get number three. As if Bartimaeus is going, Oh, I'm sorry. I heard that he gives sight back to the blind, but if you didn't get the answer to number three, I should shut up. 
And so they tell him, shut, shut your mouth. And I love Bartimaeus. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy. And he just keeps screaming. Now watch Jesus. Jesus stopped and said, call him. Oh, I love Jesus. It's almost like, maybe it's comical because he's just kind of walking and he hears Bartimaeus going, yeah, that's faith. And all of a sudden, maybe he hears the, hey, shut up. Mm, no, no, it doesn't work. And he looks at his disciples and says, do you hear him? Call him. It's like he stopped the whole parade for one person. Can I encourage someone, when you just feel like you're part of the crowd, that you're not noticed, Jesus will stop the parade for you. You call out to him and he will stop the parade for you. When he says call him, watch the response. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Isn't it weird? The same ones that were saying, shut up. Or like, hey, he's calling you. Best friend, why don't you stand up? And maybe Bartimaeus, as he's, he's starting to get up, he's like, wait, wait, didn't you just tell me to shut up? No, that wasn't me. That was my wife. She's got a deep voice. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, okay, but you didn't, you hated me in a minute. But now because Jesus wants me, you love me, this doesn't make sense. But notice his response to say, hey, take heart. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. The significance of him throwing off his cloak is what? That's everything he owned. Guys, that's his bed. That's his home. It may be what he, when he's begging and people give money, he puts it in front. It's like his bank. It's everything he owns. It says he sprang up and chucks it. He's like, just gets rid of it. Hold it there. Go back a page. The beginning of, of uh, Mark 10. Go to verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Ever wonder if Jesus kind of struggles with staying focused? It's like, the, Jesus has asked the question, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think this guy was being genuine. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, hey, why do you call me good? You ever wonder if the, <laughs> the disciples are standing behind that guy going, focus, focus, eyes, eyes, ears, ears, pay attention. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he starts going through some of the commandments. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, don't defraud on your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Guys, I want you to go back to that real quick. The first time that this man goes up to Jesus, he gives him a title. Two words. What's he call him? Good teacher. And Jesus asks the question, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And Jesus says, you know the commandments. He starts to go through some of the Ten Commandments. And then the second time, what's he call him? Teacher. Keep going. We'll see if we can figure it out. Verse 21, it says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. And then watch what it is that he, he lists. He says, You lack one thing. And then there's this list. Go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Four. Jesus, focus, focus. 
How do you lack one thing? Go sell everything you have. What? Everything. This guy's got, he's got money. Go sell everything. Everything? Everything. And the money that you make from that, give it, to, give it away. I mean, you'll have nothing. Oh, but by the way, when you do that, you'll have treasure in heaven. Woo! Guys, I've never been able to pay my mortgage with a check from heaven. Guys, I don't have any money in the, I don't have money in the bank, but in heaven. Cha-ching! It's like, I've got stuff there. Go sell everything you have. Give everything, give, give, give everything away. You'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And watch the response of the man. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Guys, what's the one thing you lack, though? Well, we could look and go, well, there's the four things, so maybe it's one of the four things. And I don't think it's one of the four things. I think it's something different. I think it goes back to this. First time, he says, good teacher. Jesus says, only God is good. Why do you call me good? And can you imagine that man having to sit there and go, what do I think about Jesus? If he says that only God is good and I just called him good teacher, do I actually believe that he's God? As Jesus is going through the commandments that this man said, I've kept all these since I was young. That's how he responds to Jesus. But the first time, good teacher. The second time, he takes good off and just calls him teacher. Is it possible that the one thing that this man lacked is that he did not recognize Jesus to be God? That in that moment, he says, good teacher. Why do you call me good? Teacher, I've kept all these since I was young. Because if he recognized Jesus as God, and then Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you the invitation of a lifetime. Why don't you go sell everything you have? Wait, wait, you're God. I know, sell everything you have. Give everything you have to the poor. You're going to have treasure in heaven because I own heaven, and I want you to follow me. If he recognized Jesus to be God, don't you think he would have done it? Don't you think he would have done those four things if he recognized the one who is inviting him? Guys, do we recognize who he is? The Bible says that God measures the universe with the span of his hand. He takes his thumb and finger, if he had a body, and he goes, hey, the universe is like that big. Guys, I use these examples all the time. Do you realize that our Milky Way galaxy is about 120,000 light years wide? That means you have to go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years. And you'll get from one end to the other. And our Milky Way galaxy is one of about 350 billion galaxies in our known, in our known universe. And yet the universe is ever expanding. And then you start looking at what it is that God created. The Bible says that from the breath of God came all the starry hosts. That means when God exhaled, the sun popped out. That's impressive. Think about it. He's just like, there's the sun. Guys, we're 93 million miles away from the sun. That's the closest that we can get to the exhale of God. Any closer and we would die. You can fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun. That thing is massive. And if you're from Southern California, you've seen like four stars in your whole life. Right? And one of them blinks red, and you're like, there it is. Praise the Lord. I see it. Do you see it? Take, your pic- take a picture. There it is. Praise you, Lord. And people on that southwest plane are going, I went off this thing. We're like, oh, I'm having a spiritual experience. I knew it was real. But maybe if the sky is clear tonight when you walk out, take a look up. Because if you've been to a place where there's stars, you just kind of go, what? And you're like, oh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. I'll tell you what it is. It's a big old nasty fireball. 
that if you are too close to it, just melts you. I mean, it's, it's not like, oh, it's so cute, I want to pet you. Guys, this thing is massive and terrifying, and God just breathed it out. And yet for some of you, you actually have the nerve to tell God how to be God. You're like, God, you're not doing this right, and you can't even keep your room clean. Like he holds the whole universe together. The whole universe is held together by Jesus. And yet we have the nerve to just go to him and say, this is what you should do. Boom, boom, boom. We treat him like the barista at Starbucks. And God, if you don't do it quick enough, then no tip for you. Guys, that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be humble disciples of Jesus, not entitled, spoiled little brats. We got to watch how it is that we're speaking to this holy God. Friends, he is holy. There is no angel that has looked upon him in his glory and called him homeboy. Angels that are on fire, they're known as the seraphim. All they have said to each other is holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that same God. Guys, he's terrifying. And then he says, but don't be afraid. I'm for you, I'm not against you. Guys, he's creative. Guys, some of you, are, you love the arts. God is the most creative, artistic being in the universe, and the reason that you have the ability to be artistic is because he gave it to you. Guys, don't, there's, there's hundreds of different types of bananas. You ever wonder why I thought there were two? Organic and non-organics. Like, I just thought they're just those. And the organic's always more expensive. There's dozens of different types of tomatoes. I thought there was one for In-N-Out. Like, that's all I knew. But he's like, he just creates all this stuff. Why, why create a universe so big? Because he can. And the universe declares the glories of God. The rich guy who had everything did not recognize Jesus. But the blind guy who had nothing did. And when Jesus said, call him, he grabs his stuff, and he chucks it, and Jesus didn't even have to ask him to. But the guy who had everything left, and Jesus let him go. And then Jesus asked him this question, verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? And you're like, isn't it kind of obvious? Like, why ask him? The guy's blind. Is, is he, is he going to say, um... I don't know, can I get a sandwich? It's like, like, isn't it kind of obvious? But how would you answer it? If he walked up to you and said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe for some would say, could you help my parents stop fighting? Could you heal my sister? Could you help me? Because all I do is get bullied online. this group of people at school they just mock me constantly could you help jesus i don't like who i i don't like who i am when i look in the mirror jesus i'm addicted to things jesus that person hurt me could you help me what would you say because, friends, I believe with all of my heart, he still asks the question. 
what do you want me to do for you? I just have to ask you this question. Do you have the audacity to be honest? Not selfish, honest. It's like, I just want tons of money. It's like, no, that's not going to be good for your soul. Would you be honest in that? I love the fact that he just goes, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Notice, and this is where I'll close it. Notice that Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. Go wherever you want. You're done. You got your sight. Guys, isn't that mind-blowing? The guy couldn't see and then he could. And Jesus says, go wherever you want. Go your way. And isn't it amazing that the guy who had everything went his way, which was away from Jesus, but the guy who had nothing, who recognized the value of the one who invited him, recognized him to be the Messiah, the son of David, God, throws off everything when Jesus says, go your way, wherever you want. He says, I'm not going anywhere that you're not going, because that's what a follower does. A follower of Jesus follows. Friends, we weren't called to go make Christians because we don't even know how to define the term. We're called to go make followers, disciples. Followers follow. But I have to ask you the question, is Jesus worth it? Just think through it. That you would be willing to give up everything when he invites you. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Friends, it's when you recognize his splendor, his glory, his majesty, his power, that he's God Almighty. When you recognize the one who's inviting you into relationship with himself to be forgiven through Jesus. When you recognize who Jesus is to give up everything for him, not a chore, a joy, an honor. That's my, that's my prayer for all of us, that we would recognize the value of the one who, inv- who has invited us to follow him. Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Jesus, you're worth it. I confess to you again, God, that you're worth it. You're worth everything. But I pray that you would reveal to me anything that I'm holding back and any. Anything that I'm praying now that all of us can agree with, we just pray that God show us that the things that we're holding back, God, please reveal those things. But Jesus, you're worth it. God, I pray you'd move in a way that every single one of us by the time we leave can say those exact same words. You are worth everything. You're worth it. You are holy and beautiful in God. God, thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says, Amen. Love you more.